morning. Good to be together, eh? Um, are, are, are young people this weekend or, or at Highland Home having their camp? Heard it's been, heard it's been a lot of fun so far. Um, but could you imagine being at camp this weekend on Daylight Saving as well? Not only do you get no sleep, but you actually have to get up an hour earlier as well. Seems like it was almost planned. Torture for the youth. Hey, it's, it's good to be together, and what a, what a beautiful morning to be able to gather um, together, um, and it's always a real privilege, isn't it, to be able to come to a place like this, to be able to freely worship God, um, who, who so deserves our worship, right? What a great God we serve. We've been, we've been in this series, um, The Good News, for the last few weeks, um, and this is our, our last one this morning, um, but I just want to quickly look forward to, to next week. Um, we're starting a new series, uh, and we're going to be looking at the Bible, the Bible as a whole, understanding um, the truth of the Bible. We believe the Bible to be true. We believe it to be God's spoken word to us, and, and we're, we're going to take a time to go through that um, for the next four weeks after that as well, which I'm really excited about. But as always, we have these discussion guides that go along with that. So we wanted to announce it a week earlier so that you can pick up a copy today, read the passage, and be ready for next Sunday, all right? So they're, they're available for you this morning as we look at the Bible. And um, I just want to read this a bit at the, in the front, and it says this, um, that more copies of the Bible have been sold than any other book in the world, around 3.9 billion copies alone in the last 50 years. And we're going to answer questions, what, what makes the Bible so unique? Why do Christians think it's so important? And how could such an ancient book still have something to say in our 21st century world? So it's quite an interesting thing to look at, and I'm excited about it. Um, we believe God's Word to be true, and we're going to be looking at that for the next four weeks. So pick up one of those on the way out, um, and I encourage you to read the passage before we start, start next week. Also, I just want to uh, say a word of thanks. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we announced um, about Shona and her new role, and we talked about how we were stepping out in faith, and, and I just want to say a massive thank you to the way the community have responded so far. Um, we've seen some people um, alter their giving, um, some people have given one-off donations, and, and people have echoed their support for this. So we just want to say a massive thank you. It, it's a real confirmation from the congregation that we're stepping in the right way. As we stepped out in faith, we're stepping out in faith together. So we really appreciate that. We still have more to go, of course, and we want um, you to consider that for going forward. But we just want to thank you so much for the way that you have responded so far. I really, really do appreciate that. And with that on the side, then, we also have our, our share fund that we talked about um, a couple of months back, um, which is an opportunity for people who are going through a hard time at the moment financially. If, if you need some support, there is, there is funds there. They're available. And if you need to ask any questions around that, just go ahead and see Joe's just in here in the middle, our famous Joe, who's on the screen every week. And um, she would love to talk to you about that. So if you would like to, um, if you're in a, a moment in your life right now where things are quite hard or difficult financially, bills that need to be paid, um, there's, there's things on the horizon that you just need some help with, we would, we would, love, we would love for you to come and talk to us about it. Um, the money's not just to sit there in, in the bank and gain interest, not at all. It's there to help people, so please, please feel free. There's no shame, there's no, no embarrassment attached to it. Just come and talk to Joe. She'd love to have a conversation about it. Um, and then the flip side of that as well, also, if there's anyone who has spare cash you'd like to give to others who are in need, um, then that offer is there for you to support that as well. 
I just want to pray before we, before we look into today's passage and today's sermon. So let's just bow our heads and let's just come before God and let's speak to him. Yeah, Father, we just thank you so much for your goodness to us. We thank you for your word and how it speaks to us. Lord, we've um, really focused our hearts this morning through the songs that we've been singing about the, the, the journey in which you've taken us on as, as believers, as followers of Christ, we thank you, Lord, for the wonderful work of the cross. We thank you for Jesus. And we thank you that he rose again. And thank you that one day we'll be able to be with him. And what a glorious, what a wonderful day it will be. And now, Lord, as we turn our attention to your word, I pray that you will speak to us afresh. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. I'd like to begin this morning by introducing you to a friend of mine called Secular Sam. Secular Sam is successful. He has a good job. He's got a nice girlfriend, got a beautiful house. His car is new. His health is fine. He's humorous. He's, he's really good with people. He's intelligent. Secular Sam is, is also a Christian. Not, not just any Christian, he's, he's, he's quite active, he's quite active. He's got an evangelical background, um, he's, he's someone, he's not a liberal theologian, he believes in the authority of scripture, and yet he's not a fundamentalist. He's recovered the cultural mandate from Genesis, he knows that all of life is under the scrutiny of scripture, not just religion, but business, philosophy, ethics, economics, law. And he's come to see Scripture as the most satisfying exploration for all kinds of phenomena in the world, the origin of the world to the meaning of life. This explanatory power is truly awesome, and it's first principle God who, by definition, is just great. He can realistically examine human failures and understand human sinfulness. Sam can also disprove to his secular friends by historical evidence, the resurrection. He's a student of the scriptures and seems to have a moral bearing which, if in truth were known, many envy throughout his friends. Secular Sam even loves Crossroads Church. He listens to our services on a weekly basis, and recently he's become a top fan on our Facebook page. Wow, what a guy. But truth were known, Sam is profoundly secular. Sam is profoundly secular. He expects, in this sense, that he expects to wake up in his bed tomorrow morning. He expects to wake up in his bed tomorrow morning. Sam's never heard of what his grandparents called the blessed hope. He's an example, example of our generation's reaction against speculation and prophecy. Now, Sam's concerns, even about his non-spiritual life, are all contained in this age. This life of the Latin seculum, where we get secular from. Secular from. For Sam assumes that tomorrow will just be like today. But that has some serious implications for what we think about today. Now, as best as I could tell through the research in it, uh, a guy called George Holyoke in the 19th century, he was an Englishman who was um, in 1851, first proposed a system that was called secularism. 
And then through his journal, the reasoner, Holyoke, and others told that morality should be based solely upon regards to the well-being of mankind in this present life. To the exclusion and all considerations from belief in God or the future state. No consideration for what's to come next. But this secularism actually has been around for a long, long time. It's, it's not just something that was in the 18th, 1800s. No, it was much longer than that. And from the, the ancient pagan world, we see this. And right through to our current pagan world with the ones like Darwin and Marx and Freud. You see, secularism has it's, it's flourished. It's grown and it's grown. It's got this basic belief among humans in the age beyond this one that something of this life after this one doesn't exist anymore. We can easily understand that how society at large and even as individuals, we begin to believe that maybe there's nothing after life at all. Concentrated on this one rather than the next. Emphasizing this age rather than the next. Concerned only with this age rather than the next. Thinking less of the next. Not emphasizing the next. Questioning the next. Ignoring the next. Forgetting the next. And ultimately denying the next. This is secularism, which has grown in our society. And this secularism, which is even starting to grow within our churches. As our churches do more and more, we try to cope with everything that we have in this life. And as we should, we should care for one another, of course. I'm not saying we don't. But sometimes we forget to think about what's, what's coming next. Now, if your name's Sam and you're here this morning, I'm not singling you out. It just rhymed well with secular, <laughs> so don't be stressing. We've been looking at this good news, this good news series, and um, we've looked at Jesus is the way at the very start, which is how it should start. <laughs> and then we looked at how Jesus is fulfilling, and Jesus is continually renewing. But we must, absolutely must, look at that Jesus is, in fact, returning. He's coming back. So if you've done your discussion guide readings this week, you'll see that, in, that we're reading in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. Um, and I'm also going to be a bit cheeky and borrow a few extra verses from chapter 5 as well. Um, so let's, let's look at this together. I encourage you um, because, um, and I'm going to blame daylight saving, but I've missed a couple of slides um, on verses of Scripture, so you're going to have to have your Bible open this morning, um, which is a good thing because next week we're looking at the Bible. So bring your Bibles. Uh, but I want to I look at two problems with this, this word secularism, this, this idea of not caring about what comes next. So remember, secularism is the feeling of not needing anything else other than what you have right now. Secularism is keeping God basically out of our future, okay? The first thing is hopelessness, is the hopelessness of secularism. So there's no hope without God. I want to point that out. And then secondly is the immorality of secularism which is ultimately the corruption of secularism, the damage that it can do if we don't have a hope in God for tomorrow. So let's look at that. Let's look at firstly at the, the hopelessness of secularism. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Uh, these are dis discussed as being possibly the earliest letters that Paul wrote um, to the church. Um, it's interesting that this question, this topic of the idea of having no hope comes up pretty early on in this passage. And um, the churches at this time are roughly about 10 to 15 years old. So let's read that passage together, starting at verse 13. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, 
so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring Jesus with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, um, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of the call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And we'll leave it there for now. So if you look at verse 13, this is a hopelessness in the situation we have here. Because it says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. So here in this passage, sleep is, is referring, to, referring to death, which is often a rewording that is used quite a bit. It's a common metaphor. But the problem was that their ignorance about death was that it was causing them to grieve. They were believing that those who had fallen asleep in Christ weren't safe. These men believed that there was no hope. It's a bit like how I've heard materialism described, and not, not being materialistic, not the greed for possession, but materialism believing that only matter exists. Only matter exists. Materialism is this unhelpful philosophy in which people invest everything right now, right here, and one day it will become nothing. Nothing. But Paul's answer to Christians is, we do have hope. We do have hope. Verse 14, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. It's because as Christians we have this connection with Christ that we have hope even when we face death. We have hope even when we face death. You know, in my life, and I'm not sure if this has been the same for you, but it's interesting when the conversation comes up about death, um, especially with those who, who are not um, normally, uh, who go to church or who don't have a faith. The last the question, I've had this many times in my life where people have said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm very concerned about death and I'm worried about it. What do you think about death? What do you think about death? And, and I honestly... Um, have these moments, of course, where I, I do have fear. I'm, I'm only human. But ultimately, I can have assurance that I don't have to fear death. I don't have to fear death because of my trust in Jesus. And I understand that there's earthly pain behind. Of course, of course. But you see, someone who has died and been... Um, I know someone who has died, who's, who's rose again, and lives with the Father. And that's Jesus. And because of Jesus, I have hope. I have hope. So those of us who are in Christ, even if we die, we will rise again. So Paul writes here, those who had died as Christians, that God will bring them. And it's a funny way to describe people who are dead, that you'll bring them. Normally that's associated with people who are very much alive. But God will gather those who have died in him. Wow. Wow. You know what? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, death does not separate you from Christ. Christ lived, he died, and he rose again. And those of us who have this unity with Christ will, in fact, according to Scripture, 
will do the same. This is, this is good news, right? Those who have died will come back when he returns. Verse 15, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. This, gets, this, this part of the, the text gets quite interesting, really, because, you see, what we're seeing here is Paul is saying to those of us who are still alive, when the Lord returns, the word that Paul is using here is, is the coming of the Lord, is, is a word that is often used with official visits um, of Roman emperors to different provinces, where they go around and they display their sovereignty, they display that they rule over this area. And so the Lord Jesus said, uh, the Lord Jesus will rep- return, said Paul. And, and in this imagery, Paul is talking about these, when these emperors came into certain areas, there'd be a procession that would be sent to meet the ruler, to the leader. A delegation would be sent to greet the returning emperor. A delegation would meet them first. So Paul here has shown us that in Thessalonians how the dead in Christ are so far from being hopeless that they actually have precedence over the living. Wow. And they use this image of delegation of, of coming to meet with the Lord first. Hallelujah. But the dead in Christ will first receive the returning king. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Using this official royal military imagery, Paul writes of this event that no one has witnessed yet. It's still to come. Let's give another example of this imagery. In Exodus, when Moses meets with the Lord and God on the Mount Sinai, he, he descends on, um, from heaven and the mountain is surrounded by this thick cloud and there's a loud trumpet sounding and he's met with this procession of people. And the people, are, they're led out by Moses and Moses meets with the Lord. When the Lord comes back, there'll be a procession of people meeting with the Lord and it won't just be Moses. It'll be those who have died in Christ. What imagery. What a day that's going to be. Verse 17, after that we who are still alive or left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Hallelujah. The ones of us who are still alive will still be with the Lord. And we too, those who are alive, will, will return and we will rise with Christ like he once did. And then the summary of verse 17 is, our hope and our goal, that we will be with the Lord forever. Forever. It's quite an interesting passage of Scripture, and there's a lot of detail in there, isn't there? And um, I don't want to assume for one second that everyone here understands that completely. Uh, And just because we're a church, and we've been a church for a long, long time, I also don't want to assume that everyone here is a follower of Jesus Christ. So for those of you who are not followers of Jesus Christ, this can be quite hard to hear, and I understand that. So I want to speak to those here who are gathered who aren't Christians, those who aren't followers of Jesus. What I want you to notice is that this theme is this whole series that we've had, right from Jesus the way, Jesus is fulfilling, Jesus is renewing, now he's returning. There is this great hope and assurance that we have in Jesus. We trust him and we know it to be true. But here's the thing, each and every person is actually made for a purpose. 
And that purpose is to know God. It is to know God. You know, all the frustrations that we have, all the experiences we have in life, all the hurt that we have in our life is, is sin. It's sin. It's not from God. This life we have here on earth, it, that's not the climax. There's more to come. The things of this world is, is too small for our God. You're created in the image of God. That means you. Sitting here this morning, you're created in the image of God. That's incredible. So if you want to know what it means to be a follower of Jesus, or if you want to know what it means to be a Christian, I can't imagine a better place for you to be right now. The people in this church are, are passionate about seeing people come to know Jesus. And I'm sure if you turned around to the people you've came with, or the people who are beside you, they would absolutely cancel their next plans to talk to you what it means to become a Christian, to become a follower of Jesus, to have this hope for our very own, that if you put your trust in Jesus, the one that we've just sang about this morning, if you trust him, you too can have that hope. And you no longer have to fear death. Hallelujah. Jesus was sent as this perfect human to live life. And, and, and we've learned so many lessons off him. And he brought this good news. And the evil didn't like him. And they nailed him to a cross. Because of our sin. And here's the difference in any other religion. that sets us apart. Jesus did not stay dead. He rose again. He conquered the grave. He beat death. And Jesus acted in the place of each and every one of us. Thank you, Jesus. This is the hope that we can have. To be with the Lord forever. Church, tell me, is there a better hope? No. If we don't believe in, 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 in Jesus coming again, we, we, we're missing we're missing the climax of what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ because he is definitely coming again. So we looked at the, we looked at the hopelessness of secularism. Now let's look at the, the immorality of secularism, the, the damage in which it can cause if we don't believe in Jesus coming back. Chapter 5, turn with me in your Bibles, and we'll look at the first, first 11 verses. I know I said a few, but I thought I'd borrow a few extras. My brothers and sisters, about the times and the dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Why people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly. As labor pains on a pregnant woman, they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You, you are all children of the light and children of the day, we do not belong to the night nor the darkness. So then, let us not like, be like others who are asleep, but let's be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. For those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since you belong to the day, let, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died so that... Whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another to build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. You are doing. Again, a pretty, pretty meaty piece of scripture, and it's, it's good to be able to look at these passages. So in verse 1, we read about the day of the Lord. And this is, a, this is a prominent theme right throughout the Old Testament, where we hear the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord. 
Now, let's be clear, every day is the day of the Lord because he is creator. But one day, and we sang about that this morning, one day there will be a day when he will make himself perfectly clear to the world and he will complete his work. And it's going to be a great day. It's going to be a great day when everything is renewed and complete. No more pain, no more suffering. Acts 2 verse 20 says, The sun will turn to darkness, the moon um, to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. It'll be a great day in which God's people will be delivered from their enemies. And the hypocrites will be caught out. It'll be a great day for the Lord's people. It'll be final. And the wicked will enter into eternal punishment and God's grace will reach to his people. And it will come to the ultimate climax. It will be the end of the seculum, this age, and the full beginning of the new. And in the New Testament, we see that the day of the Lord is the return of Christ. And Paul is saying here, not only the people who don't know Jesus have, uh, not only are the people who don't know Jesus, uh, they won't have hope, but they're also in darkness. They're also in darkness about what's to come. They've become deaf to the truth. Ignorance will come as a surprise. And every time I read things like this, my heart absolutely breaks for those who don't know Jesus. And our heart should be breaking for those who don't know Jesus because they don't know the truth. Don't know the truth. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night and people will be saying, peace and safety. But destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. You know, I, I know it's important to declare the good news of Jesus Christ. Of course, we talk about it all the time and we talk about the hope that we have and the Holy Spirit will come and change people's lives and we'll see more people enter into the kingdom of God. But we can't deny that Jesus is coming back. And those who don't know him will be left behind. We need, to, we need to know this. All of a sudden, everything will seem peaceful and safe and, and then destruction will come on those who don't know him. The sure and the certain material comforts will be no more. And in verse, in verse four, we have this spine-chilling clarity from Paul. He says that they will not escape. They will not escape. Those of, those of us and the people we know that are out of Christ, the people that we know that have got everything that they think going for them, they have no need for Jesus, no time for Jesus, got successful jobs, got family, financial st stability. They don't know Jesus. Paul describes them as asleep. Same for those who are poor and needy, who have nothing. There's no difference here. They don't have Jesus. They too are asleep. But you, says Paul, to the Thessalonian Christians at the time, you know all of this. You should know all of this. You're not in the dark. You're in the light. None of this should surprise you. Crossroads Christians, you need to know all of this. None of this should be a surprise to you. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like the thief 
But you all are the children of the light and the children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. Be alert. Be self-controlled. And the day of the Lord is coming. Study his word. Study his word. Be interested in what's going on around you. Don't be oblivious to what's happening in our world. Share the truth. Preach the good news. We have a role in telling people for what's to come. Watch and be sober and be ready. John 8 verse 12 says this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Walking in darkness is being spiritually asleep. And you don't realize that he is coming. Just like secular Sam, we focus a lot on what we're doing right here on earth, and that gets all of our attention. Are we asleep to the fact that this is all just temporary? The day of the Lord is coming. Be alert. Be sober. Be self-controlled. You know, we must give account of our life in which we've lived. You know that? We have to give an account for the life that we've lived. Just like in sport, you learn the rules. Keep your eye on the ball. It's important. We as Christians should know why we're living and who we're living for. This should be reflected in all we do. In fact, the truth is, if you're a true believer in Christ, your every day should align with what God wants you to do. And here's a question for us to think about. What are you living your life for? Why do you do the things you do? What is the hope that is moving you? What is the hope that's moving you? But as we wrap, as we wrap this all together, I want to I leave it on good news because it is good news. Verse 9 in your Bibles. I'm not sure it's on the screen. This is your test to have your Bible open. For God did not appoint us to suffer... God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through Jesus Christ. Wow. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, that we may live together with him. That is such good news. Therefore, encourage one another to build each other up, just as in fact you're doing. You know, he wants darkness to be light. He wants the broken to be healed. He wants the blind to see. He wants the weak to be strong, and he wants the lost to be saved. Jesus died so that you may live It's good news. Christians are called to a higher calling of life. And it's a privilege. We have purpose and meaning. So good. I love this. And this is why it's important to be part of a church community. Notice what Paul says at the end of the first um, uh, chapter 4. And the end of this passage in chapter 5. He says encourage one another, build each other up, encourage one another, build each other up. So church, this morning, I've told you this today, now it's your job to share it again and again and again. As we finish with this this story, I invite the, the team to come and join me. But early one morning in 1833, a young boy was, was frightened, and he ran to his mother crying, Oh, mother, because I guess that's how they spoke in 1833. Oh, mother, the world is coming to an end. The stars are falling. 
the mother who was startled from her sleep, you just imagine her wiping her eyes and going, what on earth? What's going on? And she runs to the window and she sees what's happening. And this was her response. Thank God I am ready. Wow. Thank God I am ready. Now, from from what they saw, and I've researched this, that one of the, it was one of the most um, remarkable meteor showers that had ever occurred, uh, and they say they were even bigger than snowflakes, and they were just hitting the earth, and there was this like um, spine tingling thing happening. There was no sound when they were hitting; it was just this like blankness. And you looked out the window, and this lady recorded that she saw all these people just fall on the ground, starting to pray and, and asking for God to take them, because they thought the world was coming to an end. So what did, the mother, what did the mother say when everything else was chaos and crazy and everything going on? Thank God I'm ready. Thank God I'm ready. Church, are you ready? The day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. Maybe you're like secular Sam and your, pre- your primary focus is on today. The day of the Lord is coming. Encourage one another. Spur each other on. And if you're here and you don't know Christ, now is the time. Now is the time. Let's stand together as we pray. Lord, we, um, we come to you this morning and I guess on, on behalf of my, myself, I can speak to myself only, but others are able to do this, that Lord, we do confess that we sometimes are so fixated on our lives here on earth that we forget what our role is really to do, to share the love of Jesus Christ with the hope that the day of the Lord is coming and we know that you are coming. Lord, if we're awake or if we're asleep, Lord, awaken us, shake us up. Let us be sober. Let us be alert to these things that are going on. Let us be passionate people who are are excited about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. This hope that we have and we've received the instructions. And Father, this morning, my my prayer is for those who, who don't know you that are here this morning. Today is the opportunity for, you, for those people to accept you as their savior, that they can enter into the kingdom and have that hope for tomorrow, that, that, that their hope is in Jesus. So I want to invite you, if that's you and you would love to be prayed for, there will be people available to, to pray with you at the front. There's something really powerful and profound about walking forward and receiving prayer. I ask you to be bold in that. Those of us who, who just maybe need time to be prayed for this morning to realign our thinking, realign our thoughts, I encourage you to come forward. We'd love to pray for you. I just ask the people who are, who are going to be praying, if you just come down and be available. And Lord, all, all of this, all of this, we know it's for our good, but we live it for your glory. May you get all the glory. And one day, One day, we will be with you forever, and it will be good. We thank you that you have promised us that that you will come back again. And we will be reunited with our loved ones, 
and we'll be in the best singing voices that we'll ever have and we'll be singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Beautiful, right? Man, he's good. He's good. Let's worship together.